0: Hello there and welcome to Defiance, very strange times right now, living in a lockdown here in the UK. I'm sure many of you out there are living in some kind of lockdown now and I wish you my best, I hope you are all well, keeping safe, keeping healthy, both physically and mentally. I'm your host Peter McCormack and today on my show I welcome back my buddy Jake Hamrahan, who is a journalist, filmmaker and the founder of Popular Front and we are looking at the role of nuance in reporting. Now today we have access to more news than ever before and we no longer just rely on print and radio for information. At the click of a button we can access hundreds or even thousands of news reports on almost any topic. And news is no longer just provided by a limited set of large media companies. There are now many independent journalists who have platforms to tell stories in ways which mainstream media doesn't and can't. So what is the role of journalism? I wanted to talk to Jake as I have been navigating this myself, the complexity of working through topics which have very strong opinions either side. People want to treat these topics like they're black and white and I often find that they are not. So with biased news sources such as Fox News and MSNBC pandering to their audience, one of the things I'm wrestling with is Nuance Dine and are we killing objective journalism? So in the show, Jake and I get into this, we discuss how we both navigate these complex topics with our platforms. If you want to feedback, if you have any questions about this show, please do reach out to me. My email address is peter at defiance.news. But before we get into that interview, I do also just need to thank my sponsor, Kraken, the best place to buy Bitcoin, consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. Are you a Bitcoiner? If not, and you would like to learn more about Bitcoin, then please check out my other show, What Bitcoin Did, which Kraken also sponsors. And I also have a beginner's guide on there, which can help you understand everything related to Bitcoin if you're new to it. Bitcoin is a decentralized peer-to-peer digital currency without any central authority. By not having a controlling party required to validate transactions, Bitcoin is both trustless and permissionless. It is also an opt-out of government fuckery. And as Edward Snowden said, Bitcoin is freedom. If you want to find out more, head over to kraken.com. Also, if you enjoy Defiance and want to support the show, please do leave me a review on iTunes and subscribe to the show. Follow me on social media and share this out with your friends and family. If you do have any questions about this or any of my other shows, please do feel free to email me. My email address is peter at defiance.news. The reason why we fight
1: is to draw attention to issues and to fix it.
0: Resilient. Resolute. Resolute. Defiant in the face of impossible odds. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money. money.
1: Hundreds of protesters turned out singing Glory to Hong Kong, an anthem of defiance.
0: Jake, how you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm all right, mate. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good. So, we could have done this together because there's nobody else I can interview lives more local to me, but mm. we're going to stay remote. Just in case, it's really strange times, though, right?
1: Mate, it's so weird. Like, I was just speaking to a friend of mine, and he's like queuing up outside the Sainsburys to get, you know, just to get stuff. And he's just said it's like a zombie film out here. He said it's crazy. He lives in London. He said it's just mad. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's. Um, I went into. Funny enough, I went into Tesco's yesterday, and they had everything I needed, and it really? wasn't that crazy. Yeah, it wasn't that crazy because I assume we're going to get to the point where everyone has stocked up enough.
1: Up here, it's mad. It's like people just don't care. Like, it's absolutely mad. Like, uh, when I went in last week, there was like one toilet roll on the shelf. This week, there's absolutely none. No rice. There was no soup. Like, it's just mad.
0: How much do people shit?
1: I know. (laughs) Well, I saw a joke the other day. It said there's no toilet roll because every time someone coughs, everyone shits themselves. (laughs) I was like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. (laughs)
0: All right. Well, listen, look, it's a good time to talk to you. You know, this world of whether you call it journalism or just content creation, I'm a few years behind you. This is mm. all quite new to me, and especially doing the Defiant stuff and the video stuff, I'm, I'm learning things or I'm observing things that I felt it was a good time to talk to you about because I think you understand where I'm coming from and I think you've experienced a lot of, a lot of what, I, what I've experienced. And the, the thing I want to talk to you most about is that whatever topic I cover there are a group of people who want you to have a binary answer to it. A bit like US politics. If you're a Republican, you will defend every single thing Donald Trump does. And if you're a Democrat, you will criticise everything he does. Whereas, actually, what would be much more intellectual is something along the lines of what Ben Shapiro does, who, by the way, I'm not a huge fan of. But at least with someone like Donald Trump, he will point out his good things and his bad things. And I might not even agree with his assessment, but the fact that he's willing to do that, to me, is... It's a bit more intelligent, and and a great example for me this morning. I, I will get into the places I've been and what I've seen, but a great example for me this morning is, you know, I am in this Bitcoin world, right? And a lot of Bitcoin is all about freedom, anarchism, no government, getting away from the the out, uh, overreach of the state, and I support so much of that.
1: I like that, but yeah. I
0: can't, but I can't help right now, right now in this coronavirus situation. Outside of the stats, I think the stats can be misleading. But just looking at what the doctors are saying in Italy, every single interview with the doctors of these overrun health systems, what the doctors in the UK are starting to say and we've got a trajectory just behind them. I put a thing out on Twitter this morning in that I can't help but feel like I'm a status right now and I can't help but feel like we perhaps do need the government to enforce social distancing and I can't help but feel like that we do need the perhaps to have the army on the streets and I don't want to support... Violence and coercion, but at the same time, people aren't observing social distancing. And if we're wrong about this, if we get this coronavirus thing wrong, a lot of people will die, mm. a lot of people will lose their jobs, or perhaps both will happen. But I'm fearful of admitting it because people go, Oh, you're a fucking status. Mm. But I think it's a complex argument and it's a complex problem that needs the nuance of debate rather than having the fear of being classified as a ter- certain type of person just by having the debate. Do you see well, where I'm coming from? Yeah,
1: no, definitely. Well, I was I was kind of, for a second, I was struggling with this myself because I was talking to a mate of mine and I, I'm very much like, you, you know, I mean, I, don't, I never really nail myself to a cross politically, but I would be described as maybe like a left libertarian type. And it's like... When you, I think it's quite easily solved. You just say, well, like in my head, I was thinking, well, yeah, if we lived in that kind of society that I would like to live in, where we have like autonomous... Areas where we decide our own politics locally through direct democracy, people would have... They would care about their community a bit more and you wouldn't yep. need the state to step in and say, stop doing this. We don't live in that. We live in a hyper-capitalist society and because of that, things are this way. I mean, it's you know what I mean? It's very simple. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not a statist, bro, but we don't have the society we wish we lived in. So until we do, unfortunately, people don't care about each other, I think. This is just my opinion, you know what I mean? But it's very... Look, I, I think if it wasn't so rigid within this the system we have, people would care more about their own communities. We've already seen before this crisis, people have stopped giving a shit about community, you know what I mean? So why would they suddenly mm-hmm. do it now? It's not statist, it's like, look, let's be real. It's very nice and happy to have our theories. and You know, I'm talking to myself, you know, I'm even a hypocrite. It's nice to have our, our nice uh, political theories, but when shit hits the fan and we don't have the world that we wish we lived in, you have to make do with what you have, you know, and it's very nice to be like, well... You know, it's a shame that some people online are having a go at my libertarian politics. Great, who cares? There are people, thousands of people dying. Like, you know, you just have to go like, shut up, get out the bubble, forget it. You know, I mean, I'm I'm with you. Like, I don't want... I feel in a weird position. I do not want the government to have more power than it already has, which in our country is is already creeping into a dangerous, dangerous level. However, Agreed. this ain't about our internet politics or our theory or the books I sit reading at late at night. This is about saving old people from dying. You know what I mean?
0: It's, I think that's exactly where I am. And one of the points... I had a debate with a guy called Nathaniel Whitmore the other day, and he's a really good guy. And he articulated it really well for me, where he talked about... We are almost certainly going to have troops on the streets in the US and the UK. It, it feels like every government is, is heading, following the same trajectory you know, firstly, they're slightly concerned, and they're talking about their health system. Then secondly, they start to talk about, well, perhaps we might need some social distancing. And then they close down the schools, and then they close down the restaurants, and then eventually they put the army on the streets. And I think it goes in that direction as as the numbers accelerate, they start to realise they need kind of stronger enforcement. And he articulated it very well by saying what we should be focusing on is A post-coronavirus world where we consider retractment of our governments from these uh, policies because we can stand here and have arguments on Twitter or we can't even go and protest on the streets but we can have these arguments against these uh, overreach of the government and these new powers but nothing's going to change right now if Boris Johnson wants to put the troops on the street he's going to so it's actually it's it's an ineffective use of time to have that argument right now. And what might be a better use of time is starting to focus on a post-coronavirus while and how we mobilise people t- to ensure that we, we do our best to, to have our governments retract from these p- positions of authority. And perhaps they won't, but you know, no government likes to uh, relinquish power. But should we be focusing on six months to a year ahead that we are mobilising people to, to ensure our governments retract from these positions and undo some of these new laws? And perhaps that's a better use of time.
1: I would agree that it is, but at the same time, I think you have to look at what the troops are going to be doing. Now, I'm not—I'm mate. The last thing I want to see is troops on the street. However, what are Agreed. they doing? Like People are like, it's troops in the street. They're not going to come and start shooting you outside Tesco. They're not going to be like gun-butting old women in the street for going out for two minutes. I mean, every time there's a massive flood in the UK, the troops are out on the street. It's disaster relief. That's what they're there for within domestic measures. Yep. It's, do you know what I mean? They're not going to be like running around, setting up barricades and checkpoints, murdering people for being outdoors. It's just not going to happen. Like... I almost think that a lot of these kind of radical ideas, people almost want it to happen that way. It's like they almost want oh, I agree. it to. Just so then they can be like, ha, see? And realistically, yeah, it's good to think about, I mean, we absolutely must, once all this is over in a year or two, or who knows, then all of that, if that happens, absolutely must be removed. However, even that is, I think, not that important to be talking about right now, because it's okay for us to talk about that in like media world. Normal people are not talking about that. Now, if you're kind of libertarian and you're for the people, you know, as I am very much am, you actually have to look at local people. Um, what are your friends saying, you know, you know, where we live in the Midlands and where you live in Bedford? People are not going, well, I hope the government removes the, uh, the army up. They're going, oh my God, are we going to die? You need to think about that. What do people yes. really care about? Well, they don't want their old people to die and they don't want to run out of food. So at the end of the day, it's, it's I do really think that you have to sometimes, and I'm saying this to myself like in the mirror, shut the fuck up with your radical politics and accept what people on the street are saying. That's why I find hardline communists so hard to get on with. They're always on about bourgeois this and blah, blah, blah. It's like, mate, you live in an absolute bubble world. No one on the road is going yeah, well, let me just, I'm a working class guy. Let me just think of the, uh, you know, the mitigating circumstances that would happen here if Marx was still around. Like, shut up, mate. People are just trying to survive, you know? People are working, going food banks and that. And it's, do you know what? It turns into its own circle jerk, you know? And the right are as bad as the left, you know, the right. I mean, the right are worse, in my opinion, now, because the funniest thing I've noticed with a few of your followers that followed me after the last time we did um, (laughs) Defiance and now like unfollowed me, because the irony is they go on about snowflake and that, right? The right wing are like, ha, snowflake. Mate. I hate that comment. If you say anything that they don't agree with, they are fuming just as much as the lefty. And what it really means is they basically... So when I find Republicans saying, we want freedom, what they mean is we want freedom of speech to say whatever we want to say. You say anything against Trump, they go bonkers, mate. So what is it? What is it? Is it really freedom of speech or do you just want to be able to bulldoze everyone? Like the whole whole thing is is nonsense. Internet has just gone bonkers.
0: Well, so that happened the other day. So when Trump rebranded coronavirus as the China virus, very direct and obvious strategy to start calling it a virus. Terrible use
1: of words. Terrible use of words. (laughs) I mean, if you're arguing that it's not a terrible use of words, I think you're lying to yourself. Anyone knows. Imagine if China called it the American virus, you know. They'd be fuming.
0: (laughs) Well, well, in in fairness, there there was that Chinese official who, who has indicated or or said that this was a a, a US plant and it was a US bioweapon. And there's clearly a bunch of Russians right now. The Russian propaganda about this is is ridiculous. But the point being is, let's just get back to kind of civil leadership. Uh, You would not see Boris Johnson or Conte or any of the European leaders suddenly using China virus. And the reason they won't be is that there is a the common used term that we're regarding this and referring to this is coronavirus or COVID-19. And I said it was a disgrace for him to have done that. I said it's a disgrace because right now we need leadership. This should be about a time for firm leadership, not about a PR campaign for his 2020 re-election, which is very much what it feels like. It felt like he was deflecting it. And that was the point I made. And I just got this kind of, I don't know, I got this all those of replies calling me a snowflake calling me a CCP bootlicker and I had to yeah, go well yeah. hold on a second I'm not a CCP bootlicker I've been very crit- critical of uh Chinese state of surveillance the uh, concentration camps with a million Uyghurs in like I'm no CCP bootlicker but I'm no Trump bootlicker either and I'm not I'm not supporting of that and I have also I have also on 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 a few occasions actually uh, credited Trump a couple of things he's done. I said, you know, I actually agree with that. I kind of like that. But we've got this div- diverse of politics now, where the, uh, the the Republicans refer to Trump derangement syndrome, whereby any criticism of Trump is because you just hate him. You- but I also think we have Trump defensive syndrome, where any valid criticism of Trump is is kind of not back. You're a snowflake, and I fucking hate this snowflake term. It's almost like trying to. Trying to say you're, uh, it's like, like using your masculinity as an insult against you. A bit like statism. You know, mm. you're called a status if you ever think that we need uh, some centralised decision making. Even if it's rational, you're suddenly a status and status is an insult. It really, yeah, it bothers me actually.
1: Uh, do you know what I think, Peter? I think you're the victim of being a nuanced guy but the world you're in due to the Bitcoin stuff and uh, you're in like a world where nuance isn't particularly allowed. Now, uh, you know, you're a smart guy. I'm not telling you what has happened. I don't know. But I sometimes think because of these people that you're around often, and I've seen it on the other side, they claim to love freedom of speech, right? We love freedom of speech. But what, again, they don't really. They just want to be able (laughs) to say their own thing. So you're a real, you're genuine as in like your nuance. You're like, yeah, I like freedom of speech, this and that. And they're like, "No, no, 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 you don't say that. You just have to stick to this line. So ironically, it's not freedom of speech at all. The left the left side do the exact same thing. The people they're calling snowflakes, you know, have the exact same issue. I hate all that woke shit. You can't joke about this. You can't joke about that. But the right are almost worse, in my opinion now, because they're the biggest fucking crybabies. The second you step out of what they consider freedom of speech, they don't like it. It's so funny, you know? Like you say, you insult Trump. This guy's an idiot. Ah, how dare you? But then if someone says any, you know what I mean? But then if someone says, well, how can he call it a China virus? Oh, what? You don't want freedom of speech? Well, which is it? We can insult your leader or we can't or we're allowed to say China virus or we can't. Like, you know what I mean? They want it every which way. It's it's such, they're like grown children, you know? I really, I find it embarrassing, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, so a lot, of the th- a lot of the replies were, there was one that really made me laugh over and over again because people kept replying with, well, what about the Spanish flu? And actually, the Spanish flu didn't arrive from Spain. So it was quite funny just yeah, to yeah. Just reply. <laughs> they're reply the only and put people that, in that took it
1: on, right? It was called Spanish <laughs> yeah. flu because they're the only ones that admitted it. Like, yeah, it's this bad. Like, they did a good thing. Yeah.
0: Two minutes on Google gave you that. But other also, it's like,
1: 2020. What... what the fuck? Yeah, what yeah. about the Spanish flu? Like, okay, what about the plague? Like, just shut up. It's it, like things move on, you know?
0: Uh, but the other one was like, well, where did it come from? It came from China, so that's, you know, and then they would list all the other conditions that were named after places. But the point is, it's like, do we need this fight right now? Exactly. uh, uh, Are there uh, valid criticisms of the Chinese government? Almost certainly. Like, almost definitely there are valid criticisms that 100%. they... That, yeah, that they, you know, what they did to the the whistleblower doctor who first talked about this, um, how they kind of suppressed free speech to begin with. I, I, and do you know what? This is one of the biggest challenges to the CCP right now, the fact that you know, people are calling for freedom of speech now in, in China because of this. And, you know, that faces they face a serious threat in a post-growth coronavirus world to their authoritarian rule it definitely needs challenging but is it is it right now I, I don't think we need to fight about this right now the fight right now is the survival of our health systems and the survival of our economy and ensuring the two things that the two things that you said we keep we keep as many people alive as possible and we keep people fed mm, that mm. that now is the fight not is it not is it the ccp and i think what it is all it comes down to with Trump he pretty much had three months ago, two months ago, 2020 election, re-election was a slam dunk. It was in the bag. I, I don't see how Biden or Bernie Sanders had any chance of taking him down. Now, I wouldn't say it's a slam dunk. I mean, we don't even know if the election will go ahead because of social distancing. But yeah. but when it does go ahead, he's facing the, the possibility of an economy and collapse. A lot of people have died. And whether or not he's done anything wrong, you know, almost any uh, leader will have faced those prospects. But it, I think it will make his re-election more difficult for him. And what I see now is that every single one of his press conferences is being run as a PR exercise, where he just talks about how good he is and what a great job he's done. The best, the best performance I've seen so far was the New York governor yesterday. I don't know if you saw him. No. That that's a video worth watching. His leadership and the way he spoke with honesty and truth to the people of New York yesterday, I thought it was astounding.
1: And we need honesty I think, right now. We need honesty, yeah. you know, but not scare tactics. And the last thing we need as well is like, I saw the thing the other day where Trump's like, some guys like, people are very scared. And then he's like, what do you think? And then Trump says, you know what? I think you're a terrible reporter. And all these Republicans, like MAGA kids anyway, were like, ah, that's amazing. Like, really? You think that's amazing? In the peak, or not even the peak, at the start of the global pandemic, unlike anything we've ever seen in our lifetimes, you think it's brilliant that Trump... Is randomly insulting some random reporter that no one will care wow. about in a day. Jake. You think that's brilliant? Like it's not a random is reporter, wrong with though. You? Huh?
0: So he was an MSNBC reporter. It's Fox News versus MSNBC. It's the it's out of the Roger Ailes playbook, right? It's when unbelievable. he launched Fox News. Yeah, so I think that's where that comes from. But but this leads us on to what I really wanted to talk to you about. Okay, because you know, I'm now making the decisions to go and visit places and And look up closely to kind of what's happening in areas of conflict Mm -hmm. or areas of, you know, humanitarian crisis. And, you know, when we spoke last time, you said something that stuck with me is that people who haven't been to a war zone do not understand a war zone. Okay? Yeah, and I haven't been to a war zone, but but I have been out now to Santiago in Chile to see the protests. I have been out now to Venezuela. You've seen conflict. To see-
1: you've not seen the war, I've but seen you've conflict. seen conflict now up close. You understand that how very quickly everything changes within seconds. You know.
0: Yeah, and I. But I've also just I've just realised that to, to judge a situation, you have to be there. You have to see it. Like I had my opinions on Venezuela, and. Some of them were confirmed, but uh, some of them changed quite quite significantly by being there. And I didn't have to be there long; two mm. days. I, I I got a good picture of it. And also the crisis on the the Turkey Greece border. But let, let me talk you through what what I what I've been through in my experience. There's, there's probably three different topics I want to talk to you about. Let's talk about Santiago and Chile because that's my first one. Now, I went out to sort of see the protests, and the daily protests of uh, you've got like a. Dis- disillusioned youth mm. are protesting on the streets. And almost certainly, a lot of them are, are quite immature in their arguments. I think excited and just having fun doing it. But, but they do have some common beliefs, which I kind of see as well. It's this left-right divide, pissed off of corruption, pissed off at the state. Neoliberal um, failure. Yeah. Now, if you talk to a libertarian, a libertarian will talk to you about free market. We should not have um, socialized healthcare. We should have free market for healthcare jobs. Free market for everything. So when well, they that, see that I would pre- argue
1: that's uh, that's I see. See, this is where we disagree. Maybe like what American okay. American libertarianism to me is. ANCAP, you know, anarcho-capitalist, mm. which to me is just, is a meme. It's hilarious to me. Like anarcho-capitalism yeah. to me is, I, I don't even, I just find it funny. Like, I just like, that's so unbelievably ridiculous, you know, because basically whoever's rich can just be a warlord, you know. It's just nonsense to me. What, you don't want, you don't want everyone to have tanks? No, mate, sorry. I don't want everyone to have <laughs> tanks. Do you know what I mean? If, if 16-year-old me had a tank, the, the neighborhood would be gone, you know. So, no, I don't <laughs> want rich kids running around with tanks, you know. I, to me, I don't even, I I think anarcho-capitalism is, is, frankly, an internet ideology. So I don't see okay. libertarian as that. Like I don't think libertarianism, for me, like European libertarianism is very different. It's kind of like small government, you know, like we need some kind of government, but we need the people to decide. Everybody needs to de- So, for example, London can't decide what happens in the Midlands because how would they know? So if we want to decide mm-hmm. something in my town, we have a committee, we all meet, we all discuss it, we all have a democratic vote. Can we have this supermarket built here? No, we don't want it. Okay, fine, fuck it off. Do you know what I mean? So I don't see it yeah. as everything free market. I, just, I understand the idea that they're like, well, in a free society, anyone can buy anything. But in a free society, not everybody is rich. And that basically means only the rich people can buy. You can just buy power. Anyone can buy power with that. And we've seen that politicians and the state will just buy themselves into power. Look at Mike Bloomberg. So for me, I'm mm-hmm. just like that. It's just bonkers. But anyway, yeah. Sorry, but carry on.
0: Well, no. So what I'm starting to see is this pattern all across the world, mm. and you've probably seen it as well. Whereby, let's talk about. There's probably kind of three political ideologies that that kind of exist. There is left wing which can kind of veer into socialism. You've got right wing, which kind of tends to focus much more on capitalism. Mm. Although Republicans will have socialist policies and yeah. uh, uh, Democrats one, really. will have uh, uh, will have capitalist policies, right? There's just a spectrum. And we also have libertarians. And and whenever you look at a, an era of conflict, most people will try and solve it from their political ideology. So if you look at the conflict, say, in what's happening on the streets of Santiago, the the libertarians will be very critical of these people who who are fighting for education and and healthcare and the pension reforms because of their grandparents, and say, well, you know, if we had a free market, that th- this wouldn't be a problem. And the socialists will defend them, and say, yes, this is this is why we need socialism. And then the uh, uh, capitalists will say, well, we shouldn't have socialism because social the problems of socialism. This creates lazy people who rely on the state. Like everyone will come from their ideology. But but what I tend to find is that. You you cannot fix this with a single ideology. You yeah. cannot fix this. You have to. We have to try and understand that that every single time where there is excessive inequality and uh, excessive corruption by the state, you will always see a, 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 an uprising from the poorest of society who are fed up of it, who are going to work, who are paying their taxes, yet are seeing uh, a, a, an unfair. Uh, overreach of the state and unfair corruption, and they're going to get pissed off at some point. So I I agree that free markets are are a good idea. I I am in part a capitalist. I I do believe capitalism helps us advance society, but I do at the same time think we do need some form of a social safety net within our societies to protect people. But I'm finding it's very difficult to get nuanced discussion about this because people are are so wrapped to a single ideology, that they think their ideology solves every single problem.
1: Yeah, and well, there's a few things there that I, I think that's a very good point. I think there's a few things there. So firstly, my first thought is, it's kind of ironic that a lot of these libertarians, well, let, let's say, air quotes, uh, American libertarians, don't like you know these, these people protesting in Chile. Now, that is ironic to me, because most of, I've spoke to them, I was going to go to Chile this month, but corona has mm-hmm. fucked everything but most of the protesters are anarchists. So they're mostly are socialist libertarians, you know, anarchists. So what? So basically, again, already the so-called libertarians are now telling you even those libertarians are not the right ones. It's not a very libertarian attitude if you ask me. That's almost the opposite of a libertarian attitude. So there you go. So firstly, the neoliberal project has completely failed in Chile. Now the prices are through the roof and the wages are just stagnant, right? The the elite people things are great for them. It's fine. Now I saw a great protest banner in Chile from I don't know if it's your coverage or someone's coverage anyway. And it said, um, we're not from the left. We're not from the right. We're from below. And that is what I care about personally. Now the problem is, I think you have to drop the politics out of it. Not completely. I mean, obviously, if some fascists are running around, you're gonna be like, whoa, if they get what they want, this is going to go very bad. You know what I mean? Like, I personally, mm-hmm. I don't. I believe it's objective that fascism is terrible because freedom is great. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Um, so yeah. So so people were saying, having a go at me about all these communists were saying like, uh, why are you propping up these ne- neoliberal protesters in Hong Kong? And you know, firstly, I laughed. Secondly, it's like, mate, these kids basically don't want to be crushed by the CCP, which are Un, like, complete, anyone that argues that China isn't totalitarian are off their nut, they're mad. It's probably the most totalitarian country on earth right now with that much power. Uh, and secondly, these kids just want to get along with their lives. I mean, Jesus Christ, Like, imagine bringing into like the tiny little aspects of political ideology and that. What I'm saying is, for me, I think the fact that people rise up in itself, even if they're doomed to fail, is actually important you need you need that energy i think i think you need that energy in the world to keep going i had to explain it like um look so for example the hong kong protesters they've failed right they did what they did but they've they pretty much failed it's not going to happen for them one day that might right people might rise up again and they will always remember those kids that rose up right they did it they tried to do it we now have a model of what to do you don't know in 100 years because of those kids the next people that rise up might overthrow the totalitarian government of China, which for me is an excellent thing to do. For me, I'm always against totalitarianism, and totalitarianism doesn't have a political ideology, you know? Like, Stalinists, they're as totalitarian as a Nazi, in my opinion, you know? And, and the people will laugh at that and whatever, but that's the reality. So for me, I, I always have this phrase, and it's a bit cliched now because I've said it so many fucking times, but I always say to people, like, get out of your radical book club. You know, and I I read a lot of radical literature and blah, blah, no one cares, you know, no one really cares. So, for example, my boxing club where I go, they set up what is basically like a socialist kind of mutual aid union without even calling it anything like that. So they get the parents to chip in money for their kids to be driven to all these different uh, Thai boxing fights that they have because the club can't afford to send all the kids. Now, if you're some political ideologue, you will be like, wow, this is a socialist or anarchist mutual aid project. It's not to these people. It's just helping each other out, you know. I've started saying I yeah. believe in community politics, helping out each other in your community. And to me, like hyper capitalism of just like bulldozing everything that, you know, imagine saying, OK, well, I have enough money to pay off the council and build a shed in your garden. You know, well, that, that's not fair. Do you know what I mean? That's not okay. Just because you have the money, suddenly you can then stamp on somebody else's territory. That's not fair to me, you know? And I think a lot of people operate on what is fair and what isn't fair. And when you start bringing in all this internet politics, it actually muddies the waters of what's really going on. So when I'm on the ground, I don't think, who's going to get angry with me on Twitter when this gets out? I think, what's going on here? Am I going to tell the truth? Obviously. So there we go. I don't care if some communist on Twitter is angry about what I say about Hong Kong. I don't care if some right winger is gonna cry because he, he thinks he's like a libertarian and doesn't like anyone that likes socialism. Who do you think you are? Like really like, who do these people think they are? I don't like him because he's a socialist. You're talking about people that are fighting for their future. And you're getting angry on like, fuck you. So what if you don't like their ideology, you know? It's just outrageous. I, I really think that it's, I hate to use this word because it's such a fucking woke, woke thing. But I think this kind of privileged position a lot of people have is really embarrassing, you know? Because they're like, mm-hmm. basically, I say to people, sorry that the protest in a country that isn't yours isn't going exactly as you want it. I'm so sorry it's not going how you on the internet wish it would go. It's not how the world works. People will do what they want and that's it yeah you know? well, like, we need to ignore actually, these so, people you
0: know so that makes me think of what happened uh, in Turkey because when i saw what was happening at the border it was like right fuck i need to, you've probably felt this when you see something right i need to go i need to get on a plane I need to go and see what's going on here. Yeah, yeah i want to see it from my eyes so i went out there and i went up to the the border um, with greece and two different checkpoints and firstly it wasn't what i expected so the press the mainstream press said this is because Assad and, and uh, Putin were attacking Idlib. Uh, Syrians were fleeing Idlib. Turkey's already got too many migrants, so the so the the Syrians are now moving up to the Greece border to enter Europe. Actually, I I'm, I would say Syrians were less than ten to fifteen percent of the people I met. They were really? from everywhere. It, uh, yeah, uh, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, all parts of Africa. Um, people, yes, yeah, yeah, certainly economic migrants there as well. But people leaving war zone. And also, sometimes an economic migrant is used as a, as a criticism as well. If, if, quite, quite regularly, people use ec- economic migration as a criticism. Oh, they're just here for the economics. It's like, well... So? Yes, so. <laughs> if And one guy, if one, one was brilliant. One guy, who's was a Greek guy, was arguing with me. And I checked out his Twitter, and he's living in an America. And I was like, well, why are you living in America? <laughs> surely, Surely that's economic migration for you and i think we have this there is a certain group of people have this inbuilt racism that look up migrants from places in the middle east and africa and consider them lower class humans but yep. what was really interesting is when i got there and i saw what was happening i i kind of agreed with all sides i agreed that you know turkey really has taken in probably more migrants that can handle, 3.7 million. That's a lot of people to integrate into your society to uh, ensure are fed and educated. And that also comes with social integration problems. I also think Greece has taken on has a fair argument that says it's taken on too many people as population what 10 million has had a million economic migrants that also is having its own social integration problems i also agree there's been problems in sweden and germany with uh with migration i agree with every single every single side saying that this is a problem and whilst they're saying that i'm at the border and i'm seeing a mother laying on a field of mud changing her baby mm. in mud and dirt and I'm seeing uh, people who are saying, "I'm not a terrorist. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to trying to build a life for my family." And and one of the really interesting things is when an American talks w- will criticise and say, oh, "Well, these are just economic migrants." I say, "Well, we've got migrants from Iraq. Iraq is a fucking shit show because of a U.S. war. Mm-hmm. This is not me supporting Saddam Hussein and saying we, I just I recognise that war led to 1.5 million deaths.'" The country is, is I, I'm assuming, is a, in a much worse position than it was during the Saddam Hussein time. And I understand why these people are leaving. Would you not do the same? <laughs> you know, if you, if you were living in uh, Iran right now, or if you were living in Iraq, or if you were living in Burundi, any of these countries, and you felt like you could build a better life for your family, would you not try and leave?
1: Mm, exactly. Well, isn't it funny that half of the people, I noticed this online, most of the people that cry about economic migrants are the same people that champion capitalism. So isn't well, how does that make sense? So, so you're, you're, you love capitalism, but you're also angry that people are trying to better themselves financially in the world by moving to a more prosperous country that has benefited from the system that you love. Well, which is it? What do you want? I think a lot of it is honestly, um, and I'll get a lot of flack for this again, don't care. A lot of people are just racist and they are... Thinly. Oh, no, I agree. Yeah, you know what I mean? A lot of it is basically nimb. Maybe not even racist, but it's nimbies. We don't want them in our back garden. So I'll come up with some... Oh, yeah, it's, I don't like economic migrants. Really? Because I think you just have a problem that someone that speaks a different language doesn't want to be... You know what I mean? Um, but, yep. but one thing to go back to what you just said, like, which is why it's so important to go somewhere to see the reality. So you have seen this woman changing her child in the field, right? No matter what Mm -hmm. has happened, no matter what is going on, if you don't have empathy with that, you're a psycho. I think you know what I mean. I do wonder how many Mm -hmm. of these people screaming online, if they saw, you know, and I've seen it, uh, if they saw how people are living, would they be that? Would they be so quick to knee jerk and be like, send them back? Like, what it is is like you said, yeah, you agree with this, you agree with that, you agree with everything. The the thing is not to find the right and the wrong here. The thing is to recognize this is a problem. This is a very bad mm-hmm. problem for everyone it's I agree with you it's a problem for Greece we can't like Europe can't just go I'm not one of these people that believes in no borders like that actually doesn't really that would destroy what we have built up you know what I mean not because of muslims or any any of that nonsense just because it's just not financially possible to do because well because of our government because you know they hide away so many houses and they pilfer so much money but whatever that's well, it's, it point. comes
0: down to ec- economic and social scalability as well. Mm. You can't just suddenly influx millions of people. It, you know there are there are problems, but it doesn't stop me. It doesn't. I still have empathy for the people who are trying to. Enter of course,
1: Europe. yeah, and and also you know like our family, you're you're an Irish descendant as well, right? My granddad's is mm-hmm. an economic migrant. He moved here because everything in Ireland was just so so bad. Again. Well, because of another force, because of the Brits, because of the war, because of the the occupation of Ireland, because of what happened, the way Britain throttled Ireland. You know what I mean? I mean, look at the potato famine, for example. You see, obviously, there's different places doing it as well, but like getting throttled. So then obviously it got to a point where years and years and years later, the economy is still such a shit show that my granddad was like, right, if we want to live, if we want some kind of existence that's better than this, we need to move to, to the UK. We need to move to England. We might not like... That we have to leave our homeland, but we do. You know, that's an aspirational person. What's wrong with that? Why then, mm-hmm. when it's from the Middle East, do they suddenly have a big problem with it? You know what I mean? Well, hmm, okay, oh, Jake, a lot of people religions.
0: are like, a lot of people are going to be. Their view will be, well, these people are just coming in because they want access to our healthcare and access to our um, social safety net. They don't want to work. It's like, come
1: on, how the fuck do you come know on. that, mate? Have you ever been to a corner yeah. shop? Firstly, have you ever seen a white guy yeah. run in a corner shop? I haven't. <laughs> do you know what I mean?
0: But the, the, but the thing is also is that yeah I'm sure there are people within this who are lazy. Of course. And I'm sure there are. But do you get that? Are you going to have that percentage in all parts of society, society? Look look in England how many lazy fuckers we have who refuse to do the jobs that the economic migrants are doing. With Brexit, we've had so many companies saying we're really going to struggle. with recruiting people to pick strawberries. To do certain jobs because we've got lazy fuckers in our country who won't do those jobs. Yet we still have an un- unemployment rate. So yeah. I think you're going to get that. That you're going to get that everywhere. But this, this is I think so to true. class every to class millions of people as either terrorists or lazy uh, people who want to abuse our social safety net. I th- I think is re- intellectually dishonest. And I think they really need to go to these places because if somebody is willing to get on a boat. If someone's willing to give their life savings to get on a boat from Turkey to Lesbos, knowing that boat might sink and their children might drown, you've got to consider why they're making that... I'm not going to make that consider. I'm not going to get on a boat to go to America. Why are they making that decision? What is it they are fleeing? And What is it they're trying to get to? What are they risking their life for? Because if they're risking their life, they're obviously fleeing a desperate and difficult situation, something that people these people don't understand or something that potentially the army they support and the government they support caused
1: yeah exactly i mean I, I i have been to these places you know i've been to the front lines where most of these people are fleeing from i've seen like insane levels of violence at war up front up close i've seen it with my own eyes and you know? i've been shot at. i've been to prison in turkey and all of this mad stuff mate trust me if anything if i saw a murmur of that coming to my town. I'd have been gone with my family anywhere I could, straight away. So can I blame them? No. And the fact people are still coming now, it often makes me think, well, Jesus, they stuck it out for a long time. You know what I mean? Um, Me, I'd be gone. I'd be leaving straight away. You know, I'd be taking my family, I'd be off. So can I blame other people for doing it? No. I mean, certainly there is lazy people that will come. You know what I mean? I'm sure there's, but I would argue that probably the people that come in, probably want to work you know I mean I'm from an area which you would call like you know you get like working class middle class I'm from an area that you would call underclass you know what I mean like a council Mm estate where people mostly don't have a job it's not like a working class because they don't work (laughs) you know what I mean it's like underclass (laughs) and I know people from my area back then That don't want a job, like their whole lives. You know, they they wake up, they just fuck about. They have kids to get a council house and blah blah blah. That is real, you know. And a lot of lefties want to pretend that that no, they kind of they kind of glorify and romanticise the working class as if we're all these lovely people just struggling. A lot of us are assholes, mate. Trust me, I've seen it in my own family even. And yeah, that's true. So it's everywhere, mate. I'm sure those people exist in the Middle East as well, but it's a small part of society and a lot of people from my area from the underclass area did want to work and couldn't get a job but again you know what i mean it's, it's just look nothing is black and white is it and I, I don't even think they have to go to these places i think just listen to people that have been because obviously not everyone can go and has the money to go and want to take the risk to go but just listen to people that have been like make up your mind not based on what you know what you're angry about just go like oh okay that's that's not what i thought the, wor- the worst thing is people that refuse to admit they're wrong. You have to. I've been wrong about so much stuff. I, you mm-hmm. know, I always say I'm an idiot. I'm stupid because you don't know everything. You know what I mean? Like, just accept that you might not be right. There's no wrong in that. But some people can't. They have to be correct on their ideology. You know?
0: Well, I think one of the problems that Twitter has, has, has caused is it's killed
1: nuance. Mm, definitely.
0: It, it it's 100 words, 280 characters now require binary outcomes and binary, binary uh, thinking but it's killed nuance and all these situations are highly complex and it doesn't matter whether you're looking at what's happening with migration in Europe it doesn't matter if you're looking at what's happened with coronavirus it doesn't matter if you're looking at abortion laws it doesn't matter if you're looking at what's happening in Venezuela every single every single situation is highly complex i mean syria syria itself you know, i when i was in turkey i took a trip up to the border i just wanted to see it with my own eyes mm. and itself a unique experience of realizing the uh there's no free press in Turkey by the way itself was was really interesting to see oh I know yeah. everywhere <laughs> we went everywhere we went we were told to put our camera away and, and fuck off basically because we didn't have a permit, which I thought was hilarious but 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 because I was heading up to the border, I downloaded everything I could about the Syria conflict because I just wanted to understand it before I went and the only- cl- conclusion I came to was like how the fuck are you even meant to understand this conflict there were so yeah. many Different factions and so many different countries involved, and different groups, and uh, and sometimes they've been on one side, and sometimes they've been on another side, and sometimes they've been on both sides. And it's not just to do with Syria, but it's the geopolitics of Russia and America having a proxy war. You've got the issue of the Kurds. You've got uh, uh, it's so highly complex that it's it's impossible to have a binary, nuanced view. It's it's impossible to do that yet people want you to have that yeah they want you to have this view that uh, that i've got this guy who slides into my dms all the time um and he's very much anti-imperialist which means in in a situation like syria he by by virtue of being anti-imperialist kind of ends up defending assad
1: yeah of course and russia russia can never be anti can never be imperialist anything russia does no. okay if the west do it imperialist <laughs> yeah
0: but you can be, but you can be both, and I think, I, th- I think I am both. So I think you can be highly critical of Russia, and you can also be highly critical of the US. You can be cri- critical of both. You don't yeah, have to course, sit there and agree with both sides. But, but this takes me nicely to my last thing, because this is the thing I really wanted to get to talk to you about was my experience in Venezuela, mm. and this comes down to the lack of nuance, and the outside forces who try to influence you pre. Content creation and post content creation. And I've certainly had people attack me directly in my DMs and on Twitter for my coverage of Venezuela. And it's from both sides. Either <laughs> either you are supporting a totalitarian dictator who's essentially a murdering dictator. Maduro. Yeah. Or or you are supporting a US backed coup. Guaido. You're one or the other. And yeah, Guaido. And I think there's Plenty of criticism that can be labelled at Guaido. Yes. And somebody just watched my second video yesterday and he said, I don't think you were objective enough. From what I could see from your footage is that you went to the Guaido National Assembly, there weren't many people there, and then you stumbled upon a pro-Maduro rally with tens of thousands of people. And it seems like lots of people support Maduro. And he said, Yet yeah, you seem to be support Guaido, which means you weren't being objective. And the point I tried to make to him was that. It's very important to tell the truth, but you can have an opinion. And in being objective, sometimes in being like entirely objective, sometimes you will support something which is very obviously wrong. I'm not going to be objective to the point of giving Maduro a completely level playing field to defend who he is. No, I don't need to. I'm intelligent and smart enough to know this is an authoritarian state. Okay. This is uh, uh, there is no free press and journalists have been deported, attacked, murdered. But I will try and look at the nuance of why he might still have support. Yeah. I will look at the nuance of why the, the 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 Chavistas still exist and still have influence over the country. I will look and go. Whatever you think about Maduro or whatever you think of Hugo Chavez, <laughs> there are a lot of poor people in um, uh, Venezuela, and Hugo Chavez. Whilst his ideas were populist, he did focus attention on lifting them out of poverty. Absolutely. You've got to look at that. You've got to understand why that exists. And I can do that and come out the other end and say Maduro's a dictator, and I think it's important to have a democratic change. And I think Guaido can bring that, but I think it needs to be done in a way which is democratic. And I can do that without being supporting a US coup. (laughs) And, and this this is the nuance I'm trying to get into, yet whenever you go one way or another, someone's, like I say, they're like, you're supporting a US coup, or you're supporting a dictator. And so like, well, how do you ever make progress with that?
1: Well, what about the people? What, what about the people? You know what I mean? Like, how about you think about that? Like, people are starving to death in the streets. Look, I think Guaido is bad news, but I think uh, Maduro is worse news. Put it that way, you know what I mean? But, I I mean, fuck Guaido, fuck Maduro. I don't care. Like, I just don't want people to be living under, like, an iron fist. Now, if at the time the best thing to do is either stay, you know, like, what is it? Is it better to stay starving under, like, Maduro and his authoritarianism or is it better to just try anything else to try and get out of it? Now, you know, I don't think that uh, Guaido will be the authoritarian guy that Maduro is so. In my head, I if I was in Venezuela, I've you know I've covered it a lot. I know what's going on there. I would be like, well, fuck it. I don't like this guy, but you know I need to get out of here. You know what I mean? We need to get out of this situation. You know, I didn't like Corbyn at all. I, I really don't like him. But uh, I thought, well, the worst, you know, the Boris for me. This is just my personal opinion. Was like, well, fuck it. I'd rather that guy for a bit than this guy forever. You know what I mean? You know, whatever. So, it's really not about. Firstly, I don't, again, comes back to the ironic thing of people that will call you a statist will then choose one side or the other in terms of conflicts. You're a statist, but also I'm completely on the side of this state here, or I'm completely on the side (laughs) of that state. What? Like, what are you on about? How about you support the people? How about that? How about you worry about what normal people are going through? You know, for me, I'm always concerned about poor people in any country because the way that they're Mm -hmm. treated is, for me, a good sign of how a country is uh, progressing and what they stand for. You know what I mean? If you treat your poorest people in society well, I think that's a good thing. These are the people that need our help. And I don't care about all of this. You know, this scummy, like, com- no lack of empathy kind of, will get a job, you know, like American psycho vibes. For me, people like that are disgusting. I think you have to help people in need. Not everybody has had the same opportunities. Not everybody has the get up and go to just get a job. You know, like I, I, I used to have a little, when I lived around drug de- uh, drug addicts a lot in in my old area, I would see heroin addicts and I'd get really pissed off with them because when you're living around them all the time, you know, they nick two of my bikes, you want to kill them, (laughs) you know, you're like, motherfuckers, I've moved out of the area now and now I'm starting to again go back to looking at like, look, they piss me off, but I know, you know, if you look at the statistics, like so many heroin addicts have been raped as children, you know, like terrible things have happened to them. People don't just suddenly go, you know what, I'll get on heroin. So, you know what I'm saying, there are very, a lot leads up to people being in bad positions. So to then just like spit on them and be like, well, get a job is just sickening to me, which is what I think a lot of these people that choose a side are actually doing, whether they realize it or not, you know what I mean? They're kind of disregarding a whole, a whole society of people by just going, well, on the internet, I'm on this side. On the internet, I'm on that side. So what? Like people on the ground, you know, I mean, it's like when I speak to the Hong Kongers and I was like, oh, a load of these like hardcore communists are saying that you guys are fascists. What do you think? And they just laughed. They're like, no. And they're like, yeah, but they're calling you like neoliberal this and you want that. And they're like, so what, man? We're fighting for our freedom. Why, we don't. What, like? And I was like, yeah, that's the right response. Like, why do I care? <laughs> like, why do you care what some people are angry about online when you're literally talking about life and death situations? And when it comes to Syria, I think I'm going to completely contradict everything I've said now. You're actually right in that it's so complicated that sometimes being on the ground actually doesn't help or it doesn't give you... If you're an idiot, put it this way, if you're like a fair person and you go on the ground, you're going to get a fair response. If you're an idiot and you go on the ground, you will get a worse response than if you weren't there. Now, let's talk about this piece of shit scumbag Max Blumenthal. Now, this guy is uh, is, uh, a rich propagandist. And he recently, only this year, I think it was, or the end of last year, like what, nine years or whatever it is into the Syrian civil war, he just went to Damascus, which is the government area, you know, that Assad completely runs. And he spent like a week there on a press trip. And is like, wow, there's nightclubs in Damascus. Assad's great. Okay, what about the people that I've met personally who had their their knees drilled out in prison for going against the government? What about the children that were shot dead in Dara for spraying up graffiti and disappeared into prisons? You know, like there's a reason people rose up and it wasn't because they all loved jihad. I was in prison with three Syrian army people in Turkey who'd fled the war because they said it's over... He has released all the jihadists and the jihadists have taken over. Now, I don't believe there is a such thing as rebels left in, Turkey, uh, in Syria anymore. The people in Idlib, by and large, are militant jihadists. However, they are not the same people that rose up to fight the government in the first place. Again, nuance, you know what I mean? There's many layers to this. And to just go, well, Assad is killing jihadists. Well, yeah, he released them all for a start to flood the rebel rebellion with jihadists and have a reason to attack them brutally. And secondly, he's killed way more civilians than he has killed jihadists. Do you know what I mean? It just really. And bombed
0: hospitals and bombed and schools. Bombed hospitals,
1: you know, killed kids, gassed kids. You know, it's just crazy, man. To then go. Well yeah he's secular and and the idea that they're secular like it is ridiculous or oh, will they protect the christians they've also killed loads of christians they murder the christians in the kurdish areas the christians that are on the side that are fighting with the kurds who also hate assad because they spent years not even being allowed to speak their own language in their own houses because of assad you know what i mean like how do you how do you claim to be a guy that loves freedom and completely ignore the one of the most brutal totalitarian legacies ever like the Assad regime is absolutely disgusting Hafez al-Assad his dad what he did is just unbelievable and they're like well they had an economic prosperity oh is that's okay then is that okay then you can just murder and kill people like
0: at what cost
1: at what cost you know what I'm saying and it for me I think freedom is I know I'm very I'm not nuanced in this opinion I'll, I'll be honest you know again recognize your own faults but sometimes I think the idea of being free is almost worth everything else you know what I mean You know, I don't feel that, like, is it worth putting up with good economy just because for you it's okay? I don't think so. I think if people aren't free, everything must go, which is a bad opinion probably, and I'm not thinking of the people, but I put it this way. I understand why people go, fuck it, let's go. You know what I mean? Oh, but you've got good shops and you've got nightclubs. doesn't mean anything if you can't voice your opinion freely, I think.
0: Yeah, so the Assad thing is is one area that really gets to me. It's almost, it's, it's like a hard line I have. If anybody at any point comes with any defense of Assad, at any point, any defense of Assad, whether, whatever their opinion is, whether it's, well, you know, uh, we're trying to fight against US imperialism, it's, I don't give a fuck. It, it's a hard line. Any defense of Assad is is not something I will ever accept. and yeah. and and I, and I really struggle with that. But then it comes back to this point of nuance, Jake. There, we're really lacking nuance these days. People just, people have gotten to such short sound bites of information, and they've become so radicalized themselves. <laughs> Ironically, mm. radicalized in their own left or right uh, ideology, that they've lost the nuance themselves. They've lost the ability to. It's almost like their a political ideology is linked to their own identity. And therefore, any criticism of one of their leaders or that political uh, assuasion is an attack on their identity. So they have to defend it, which comes back to this Trump derangement or Trump defensive syndrome, whereby you're one or the other. So if Trump says oh, grab a woman by the pussy if you're if you're a republican it's like well, he's just like a room chat whereas if you're your left it's like well he, uh, he's a he's a sexist and 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 it doesn't matter what what the point is it doesn't matter what he's done you're either going to defend him or attack him and and therefore there is no nuance there's no objectivity and then and then all we have is di- uh, division and hate and and it it's turned turns me off politics i didn't actually vote in the
1: last election jake
0: i couldn't vote and and i feel guilty about it part and and, and i've never yeah, not shouldn't, been it's your vote right
1: before. it's your right i hate that yeah. you have to vote no it's our right people died so you could vote no they died so we had the freedom to vote you know
0: well and but the difficulty i have jake is that when you said you're you're like a left libertarian i would have thought if something i'm i'm a right libertarian with left sympathies right so i i'm i'm i, I want a less state I definitely want a smaller state. I want less intrusion by the state. I want more freedom. I want a free press. I want freedom of speech. But at the same time, I want free markets. I think capitalism can help. But I don't want. I don't want free. I don't want um, for unrestricted capitalism, which can lead to kind of monopolies and abuse of power. And I also want. I also want a social safety net. And there's no. There's no political party that represents that way of thinking for me right now so i couldn't vote because i thought corbyn was way too socialist and i couldn't vote for boris because of the austerity measures which were were clearly clearly abusive towards the poorest of society when they didn't need to be
1: my my town has been destroyed mate honestly since the tory government like i witnessed it with my i'm not coming at this from like i say, i don't care about any any politician you know like fuck them like they're all all bad as, as far as i'm concerned some are better than others but whatever but like my area has been destroyed under tory austerity man and it's okay for me you know i'm like a media guy and i earn okay money but i got i still live here and i go around my friends all the time you know i'm at the boxing gym and i'm talking to my pals who've got like two jobs and still have to go to food banks what the fuck? all these kids the, the crime rate has gone up like crazy in my town and honestly, a lot of them are bored, mate. Like, all the youth clubs are shut down. You know what I mean? All of that is, all the all mm-hmm. the kind of, all the money has been diverted to London. So there's nothing outside of there. And it's just it's just awful. And, you know, people have been kicked out of their houses. Remember, bedroom tax, all of that madness. Like, it's just a mess, man. I, I, even, it doesn't, for me, it's not tory austerity, it's just It's just another political, like, problem. You know what I mean? And I think we have to remove ourselves from this idea of well, I mean, it is Tory austerity, but you know what I mean? Remove yourself from this idea of taking a side. Like, they'll make it better. They won't make it better. For me, it's just like, what's, what's right and wrong, isn't it? Like, have some integrity, mm. you know? Like, you don't have to go, well, I'm a left libertarian. I'm, this is why I normally don't ever speak about my political views in terms of an ism, because it's like, well, what do I believe in? Like, I believe in this and that and that. But then to say, well, I'm in this ism, you're basically saying, well, I agree with all of that. Well, no, there's loads of things that I don't agree with. You know what I mean? That is basically, I think the idea is just have your own moral compass, in it? And if you're being a reporter, just always stick to that. What do you think is right and wrong? And this idea of complete objectivity is madness. If you're completely objective when seeing a woman lying in the dirt, changing her baby, like you said you saw, you would be a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? To not feel some empathy and think, this is not right you'd have to be a psycho. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, you are cold hearted if you feel like that. And it's very much like, you know, this is why I'm a bit of a pariah in in my own kind of uh, media bubble, because I will say like, no, that's wrong. Or this is wrong. And people are like, oh my God, you've got bad journalistic ethics. And I say, no, 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 I don't have bad journalist ethics. You have bad human ethics, which I think, you know, (laughs) I I really think that, And you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think, I think I'm right. And there's nothing wrong with saying I'm right. I think this, this is what I stand for. Just to be a journalist doesn't mean you then go, okay, well, let's throw all that out the window. You know what I mean? That's crazy. It's ridiculous. You're a human being. At the end of the day, it's a job, and it's something you do to relay what's going on in the world. You're not chosen by God. Journalism is not some kind of, like, ethereal thing. It is a job, and it has a tact to it. But don't take the human out of that job. You know what I'm saying? That's what I think.
0: Yeah, well, I think the thing I'm coming to is that... (sighs) When I'm going to the, going to visit these places, I think the most important thing. Well, there's two important things to do. One is tell the truth. You've got to tell the truth, and that sounds easy, right? And, and but it's very easy actually, to be swayed by what your opinion of a situation is, which would stop you telling the complete truth of everything that happens. So for example, when I went to Venezuela, it would be very easy because I think Guaido is a better situation than Maduro. I do. So whatever bullshit he brings with him, I I, I prefer that. So it'd be very easy for me just to ignore the pro Maduro rally. Or just say all these pro-Maduro supporters are there because they have to be, because they're forced by the government, because they rely on them for jobs and education. But that's dishonest. You have to say, look, there are a group of people here who support Maduro. Let's try and find out why. So that's it's really important to tell the truth. And the other thing, I, I, I think where I'm being, I find the gravity taking me is towards, in all these situations, where's the human suffering? What, what's the bit we're missing here? Because if we don't talk about the human suffering and if we focus on what is the right or wrong answer, then that missing that nuance misses the importance of solving these problems. So migration problem in Europe. We have people who have maybe one meal a day, who are living in a field, who have no access to, access to sanitary products, who are, 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 some are living in essentially prison camps which are which are called refugee camps but they're essentially prison camps and they are living a subhuman existence in their one life right and we are if we just focus entirely on who is right what is the right answer we miss the human suffering and we miss solving these problems of people and i think that's um, that's where the i don't know if that makes sense but that's where i feel i'm being dragged towards
1: yeah, also that I would remember, or I think in my head when I'm doing stuff like this, I think it sounds callous, but it's not my. It's not up to me to solve the problem. I'm there to report mm. on it and show what's happening. Yeah. I don't know who can Agreed. solve it, but if I can show it as honestly as possible, then maybe someone that can solve the problem can find it and solve it. But I think what you're doing, I think you've got balls, man, because your audience are very quick to want you to express a certain thing. Mine yeah. kind of know, like, they don't really care. They're like, what's happening? They believe that I'll tell the truth, whether it's popular or not. I think, anyway, I hope. I know there's loads of people who hate me. Like, he's a liar. He loves the Kurds. He will say any blah, blah. I don't care. You, you just have to roll with it. Like, yeah, whatever, cool. Call me what you want. So I think what you're doing is good, man. You've got some balls to be like, well, you guys are wrong because I was there and this is it. Now, most of your audience are going to want you to say a certain thing and you'll make more money. We've spoke about this. Like, Max Blumenthal's... Yeah. St- I mean, he's rich anyway. His dad's a multimillionaire. But um, he started making his money when he picked a side. He used to be anti-Assad. He went on a little holiday to uh, Moscow, and then all of a sudden, he came back as pro-Assad. Same with Ben Norton. Ben Norton used to be anti-Assad. The story is, which is... By all accounts, true that a female that he was interested in kind of spurned him, and she was a rebel supporter. And then all of a sudden, he became an Assad supporter. You know what I mean? Um, And these, the irony is, these people call themselves leftists, and you know they're supporting a totalitarian regime. That the the Assad regime quite literally harboured members of the Nazi Party. You know, they they led some of their uh, intelligence operations in in the Middle East and their military. And so the the thing is, like, it takes balls to go. Well, no, I'm not just going to stick with what people want me or expect me to say. You have to go there and if you see, well, that's not what I thought. People ain't gonna like this, so what? You're there, that's your job. In the 90s, journalism was very much about rubbing up people the wrong way. Now journalism is very much about like, petting to an audience and getting clicks. I like our job. Our job should be to disrupt and piss people off and rub them up the wrong way a little bit. With the truth, obviously, but uh, you've got to hassle some people. And to be honest, anyone that's in power needs to be hassled, I think, (laughs) you know what I mean? Just to keep them in check.
0: you are right. And this this migration from a Bitcoin world to a more, like looking at the humanitarian crisis in the world, and it, it, under the banner of defiance that people expect because of their kind of Bitcoin anarcho capitalist views, that, uh, uh, that I would have to naturally support everything which is anti government. But even today, you know, when I was posting about, I actually think we need the government right now to put in some kind of. Strict controls on people just just to save lives and keep the food in, in front of people I think that somebody came out and said you've got a you've got a, a podcast called defiance yet you're supporting fascism and it's just like, come on, man. How about this? Please. How about
1: you defying people dying? <laughs> you know, yeah. you defying coronavirus. <laughs> How about that? Like, fuck off.
0: Yeah, it's tough times, man. But listen, Jake, it's always good to talk to you. What's going on with you right now? What What, oh, what are you boy. working on? What's so all our, spiking all our, your interest?
1: Boy, all our Popular Front projects. I we we're gonna do. I, I got the I got the URL popularfront.tv TV this year, and it was gonna be the year where we really nice. launch a lot of. A lot you know we've done a, we've done like what six, seven documentaries. I'm really proud of them, but this year was gonna be the year where we go right. we're doing a popular front series. we're gonna do loads of these docs. we're gonna have actual structured you know rather than just let's go and report on this, we'll have here's a series and within this, this is this, this is this, but obviously everything you know lost a lot of money, which is not good. everything is falling apart, coronavirus has fucked us all, so trust me, like everyone's getting hammered, so what I'm gonna do is I'm just starting. Not starting, but just doing more of the, the podcast. Like a lot of people want entertainment. They want to be hear what's going on in the world. So more popular front um, from the podcast. Unfortunately, we can't do more docs. And probably I'm going to start something else outside of war and conflict. Just while everyone's in this period of lockdown, I'm thinking I might just start an interesting podcast where I go, let's just talk to interesting people. Here's some entertainment while we're on lockdown. But uh, other than that, I'm building a gym in my garden and <laughs> getting ready. <laughs>
0: All right, man. Well, listen. Look, it's always good to talk to you. I love what you're doing. Thanks, mate. Um, I, I really appreciate. Like some of your shows are really timely. The one you did about Soleimani at the time, where uh, a lot of people were up in arms saying about this was an assassination, and uh, which it, which it was. Mm. It was very interesting to hear the background to Soleimani. I didn't know about him, so those kind of timely shows you do. Uh, are yeah, really like he was an absolute
1: well. scumbag. It's, again, it again comes yeah. down to this thing. It's like it was bad that the US killed him the way they did but i don't think it's bad that he's now dead. <laughs> do you know what i mean? Yeah. like sorry i just don't, you know. again that, as a journalist you're not going to say things like that but fuck it.
0: well yeah. But that, but that but that but you can do that. but those shows you do like i i i push people towards popular front. i think you're doing an amazing job and i'd say keep it up and let's see where we where we are in this post coronavirus well. but yeah, so good luck. uh keep doing what you're doing and just tell people where to find your work where where they can find out what you're doing mate.
1: Uh, Yeah, man. So uh, if you just go to uh, the website, popularfront.co, that's kind of the landing page. Or if you follow me on Twitter uh, at Jake underscore Hanrahan, H A N R A H A N, you'll get everything via that.
0: All right, man. Well, look, keep up the good work and yes, catch up soon.
1: Cheers, mate. Good luck. See you in a bit, man.
0: Thank you for listening to Defiance. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Jake. He has been on the show before. Please do go and check out that show. And also, please do go and check out his platforms. Jake is a very good reporter. And also go and check out some of his videos up on YouTube. They are really, really some of the best. They've inspired the work that I've been doing. These are really important topics, this is very very important subject for me as I try and navigate complex news items. I'm often trying to work my way through biased sources, people sliding to my DMs, people wanting me to find a binary answer to some of the questions they have, like this person's right or this person's wrong, and often I find these situations are much more nuanced, especially when I've been to places like Santiago and Chile where there's riots or out in Venezuela. These are complex subjects and I am trying to find the nuance in them because I think that's a much more accurate way of reporting. So yeah, complicated subjects, but I think it's important in this to be telling the truth and not to be pandering to audiences or pandering to a certain type of voting elite. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show and please do go and check out Jake's work. Before we close out, I do need to thank my sponsor Kraken, the best place to buy Bitcoin. Consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. You can find out more at kraken.com, which is K-R-A-K-E-N.com. Also, if you want to support the show, please leave me a review on iTunes or subscribe to the show, follow me on social media, or share it out with your friends and family. If you have any questions about this show or any other show I've made, please feel free to email me on peter at defiance.news.